0: hello and a warm welcome to another exciting conversation from our podcast series crafting your writing career paths and possibilities brought to you by the learner meeting i'm your host Mahua, and today we will continue our conversation with riporna shaha associate director technical writing at raise this is the second and final part of our conversation with riporna If you are listening to us for the first time, you might want to listen to the first part of this episode and also the podcast series introduction. The series introduction will help you grasp the essence of this podcast series and the first part of the episode unfolds the intricacies of what the field truly entails. Today our primary focus is to glean career insights and perspectives from an industry senior who also holds the crucial role of a hiring manager. Additionally, we will immerse ourselves in the personal choices and decisions that have shaped Siobhanah's journey. You might wonder why we are delving into personal choices and decisions. To answer that, life presents us with diverse situations and through the experiences of others, Real life stories offer inspiration, solutions, and new perspectives, making personal narratives an integral part of our exploration. Without further ado, let's dive straight into the conversation with Shripanda. It's a pleasure to have you back, Shripanda, on the Learnemy podcast for another engaging conversation.
1: Hey, thank you, Mohua. Same here.
0: <laughs> so, we'll go deeper into technical writing today we'll try to understand the kind of skills and attitude one should aim for to succeed as a technical writer. In the last episode, we had discussed a lot of things about your career. So continuing from there, what do you think has helped you grow in your own career?
1: Well, I haven't really thought like that, but To answer your question, I think there are several factors. The first thing that I can think of is belief in myself and also the kind of background I got, the kind of support that I got rather. And yes, I have strong belief in God and I feel that there's always a superpower who always tells me or guides me through about what to do. And even if I am in a mess, I have this feeling that I will be able to come out of it. So I would say these are the three factors which have always helped me to propel through no matter what not just in tech writing i think in any career these are three things i think are super important so that you can continue with what you really want to do so nice believe in yourself that's a very good thing that you mentioned because
0: without that it's very difficult when things are not going as planned and as you would want absolutely So in the last part, we had discussed about some of the challenges and one of them being you have to chase people,
1: right? So what kind of challenges did you face yourself? So, professionally, apart from the challenges that a tech writer usually faces, there are several other factors or several other challenges, especially as you start growing up in the ladder, right? So the times when I started growing up, there were still a lot of men. So there was definitely some kind of challenges there. And it was a challenge from their side as well to accept a woman as a leader. So there was that constant factor where I had to always outshine to make sure that I'm every bit worth of where I am. I remember there was uh, one training that was going on for the different uh, leadership managers in the organization. and I was the only woman and rest some 20, 22 men were sitting there. Of course, when I was sitting there, they just came, they looked at me, did not say a word, and they just went. And one of the guys actually came and asked me that, "Are you sure you're sitting in the right room?" I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty much sure I'm sitting in the right room. And then, uh, of course, the trainer was very nice and he made me feel comfortable. But still, there was that initial resistance to accept me to be part of the group. So this was there and this I still face in certain places. But yes, things have become much more welcoming. And people are trying to include women also in most of the cases, which is great to see. Apart from this, of course, uh, there are cases where there is a misalignment of principles, right? Maybe the structure where you're working in, the organization culture is like that or uh, the people you work with, right? So there are many things. You have your own team, your, you have your bosses, you have your senior leadership and then you have the organization culture. So in order to survive in an organization and do well, you have to make sure you're fitting in all these areas, which doesn't happen. At times, you have to make some kind of adjustment, some kind of changes in the way you think. And there have been issues where I could not make changes to my principles, because I hold my principles very dear to me. And I always feel that what is right is right, no matter somebody if my boss is telling that doesn't make it wrong, right. So there have been some kind of disagreements and there have been issues in aligning myself with that. There have been times where I have not been able to prove my point and I had to accept whatever was going on. And there were times when I was just not ready to accept. And there have been times where I have taken some very drastic decisions, drastic steps, uh, which I'm glad I did. So, yes, all of this contributed to where I am today. So talking about challenges, I would just to reiterate, of course, being a woman, it's difficult to survive. You have to really work hard. Second is aligning your principles with whatever is going on in the background. And apart from that, the technical writing, the additional whatever comes in with the tech writing as a tech writer, all of that. So yes, these would be the challenges that I can talk about. I have been
0: fortunate that way. I have seen many women leaders in my career. And uh, yes, if you compare uh, with men, the count is less, was definitely less. But still, I have seen women being considered for leadership roles. So yes, my experience has been good. But nevertheless, I did see some instances um, where very subtly uh, people have been hinted that they are not being considered. Uh, there were labels given, so because of the agenda, yeah. So less number of instances, but it has been there. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, not in not in all the organizations, but there are some organizations. There are certain groups, teams, especially if you're working with engineers, right? most often, of course, today, there are a lot of women engineers also, but let's go back to 15 years back. Of course, the scenario was much more different, right? They're like, what is a girl doing in mid of the techies? That's a very direct comment I used to get at times. Uh, I remember one of the days, in fact, so I was going for a particular meeting, and uh, I was wearing a salwar kameez, right? I'm very comfortable with that. And I'm very particular about what I want to wear, right? And there was one of the product managers who walked up to me and said, Shipana, you are in this big meeting you should be in your suit or you should wear pants. I was like, why? I just asked him, why do you think I should wear pants? Because I looked that pretty personally that somebody's commenting on the way I should dress up. Then he's like, of course, you would want to look one of them, right? I was like, why should I want to look one of them? I'm a woman. I want to be represented as a woman. I'm okay with this. So that meeting was supposed to happen for two, three days. It was a gathering again. So I'm like, I will make sure I'm going to wear salva Kamis all the three days. I want to be like this I don't want to give them a perception that I'm not a woman come on why should I do that so I took that very personally and and there were times I was called arrogant and stubborn okay you call whatever because I know I'm not doing anything wrong right I understand yeah
0: because you're a woman and somebody probably doesn't want to do the kind of work Uh, you want them to do. So yeah, there are labels that come your way. I've been daring at times. (laughs) So moving on from challenges, I see that you have been able to keep the challenges aside. Basically, you are focused on what you believed and moved on, took responsibilities that were given to you. And that was your strategy of coping with them. So Shripan, there are times when we have to do or rather deal with mundane stuff, right? Very routine work. So how do you keep yourself motivated when you're working on such mundane tasks?
1: Order a good lunch, maybe. <laughs> no, I do that. i maybe go for a hair spa. Anything that brings some interest in life. I mean, not just professionally. I think personally also in our personal life also, we do the same thing every day. So I think we have to keep doing some things which keeps our interest in life. Otherwise, it becomes very boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: good example when you find your work very boring yeah you should do something interesting so that at least your day is better that's a good strategy in one of the episodes i spoke to another senior and he mentioned he plans his day such that he is able to get through that work as quickly as possible so that he can spend rest of his time on productive things or interesting work so yeah yours is equally good now moving on to some serious discussion. So what kind of documentation does one need to create as far as technical writing is concerned?
1: So there's a huge list of documents that a tech writer needs to create based on the field or industry the tech writer is working on. Now, let's say if I'm working for a finance industry, it will be primarily health files or getting the integration documents. And if your product is uh, API heavy, then you might have to do API documentation as well. If you're in the medical or healthcare, the requirements will be different. The deliverables will be different. So a range of documents, it can be user manuals, admin manuals, installation guides, Uh, Training guides at times. Hellfies have already spoken about them. Then there are times we have to create videos. For example, at RazorPay itself, we have created a bunch of uh, integration videos, right? You have to create things, use cases, data sheets, case studies. You might even want to create some brochures also. You might have to work with the marketing team to create brochures. So it pretty much depends on the industry. But if you're working for a very technical product, you might require to write release notes, readme's, right? So pretty much depends on the industry that you're working on and the kind of deliverables expected. Again, in certain organizations, the technical part, especially the release notes and readme's are done by the engineering manager or the lead, whoever is handling that. And the tech writer is pretty much more into the product documentation or user face documentation which are slightly less technical so it again depends upon the kind of product it is you
0: mentioned that from industry to industry there could be some variation in the type of documents that you have to create right so if you look at skill set does that also change in terms
1: of expectations Skill sets remain pretty much same is what i can say but yes you should be ready to adopt to whatever is happening in the background. Uh, You have to learn the technology at times. You have to learn the basic concepts. When I joined Raise the Pay, finance was a little different domain for me. So I had to learn what is a payment gateway, how integrations happen. So you have to understand the basic things to start writing. Now talking about skills, you definitely need to have good communication skills which is standard no matter which industry you go. You should be able to experiment. Nobody will actually sit with you and explain you things. You have to start learning things by yourself connect with people collaboration especially these days i think collaboration is becoming uh, one of the very important skills that uh, one must have to be a good tech writer because you will be required to work with cross-functional teams and gather the inputs write your documents get it reviewed and all of that right so these are the basic skills that you require and based on the industry the work organization that you work for you have to keep aligning yourself acquire the skills, learn the skills on the job, and make sure you're fitting the place, whatever is the requirement from you. So whenever you're creating
0: a document, do you have to think about any content strategy or you just go about gathering inputs and then putting it in a structured format?
1: So content strategy yes again it depends upon the kind of content that you're going to write now let me give you a quick example so we have been writing for Indian audience I mean uh, being part of Razor Bay. now very recently we have expanded and now are writing for Malaysia now when you st- took up that project, of course, we had to create a content strategy about how we would present the content to Malaysia. Will it be the same content? If it is going to be the same content, are we going to duplicate the content? So that's the whole strategy that we had to do. And once we have the strategy in place, the entire project works as per the strategy. And again, based on the new variations that come in as we progress in the project, we have to keep revisiting our strategy to see where are the changes or where are the tweaks we need to make sure so that we are able to cater to the Malaysian audience. So to answer your question depends upon the complexity of the project. If it is a very simple document, you really don't need a content strategy because there will be some templates in places, right? There will be things like, okay, this is how you have to write a procedure document. Or this is how you have to write the use cases. There, there would be already some five use cases written. You will just follow the same template and just make sure things are flowing in the right way. But if it is something you're doing from scratch for the first time, you will have to see how are the best folks in this particular area are documenting it plus your specific use case based on all of that you come up with a strategy and start your talk how do you evaluate a good document versus an average versus a bad document like poorly written document okay so so first is the language the first thing as a writer that comes to me is the language the flow and is it making any sense? And I usually don't. That's my personal uh, preference. I don't usually like very long written sentences, complexly written documents. And the best way to evaluate a document is like I would give it to probably an eighth standards child and say keep. Go through it and tell me what you understood. The way we used to do UX writing, just slightly deviating from your question, is that, so UX writing is something which we used to do. Let's say there's a screen and we have to write a text box labels and an error message, right? So what we used to do, we used to call somebody in the app Hey, come here, read this. What does it mean to you? We will ask that person to explain based on the whatever is written, if that person is able to understand. If that person is able to explain it well, that means I've done a decent job. If no, then I must rewrite it. So we have to look at it from the user's lens is what I can say. Language, grammar, the flow of your content, and is it consumable? Will somebody really read it? Is it interesting? Of course, it's difficult to make technical documents interesting. But you have to do that because, I mean, come on, nobody really goes to installation guides to just like read it. It's not a novel that somebody will go and read it, right? But they will go to find information. Are they able to find the information? And once they find the information, is it crisp? Do they find that, yes, this is the place and this is what I have to do. These are four, five steps I need to follow and I, I will be done with my job. Now, just imagine somebody opens up an installation guide and there are five pages written for something. Nobody can read through it. They would rather call up the support and say, hey, tell me how to do this. So. Look at it from the user's lens and of course, do the basic sanity check of your document. You have to also check, take care of compliance, the screenshots. Uh, is it containing any of your employees' names and things like employees' or users or your customers' name? Make sure all of that is taken care of. So evaluate on all those factors and that's how I would rather say if a document is good or not.
0: That's a good direction to ensure that the document is written well. Sripana, in our last episode, one thing that you mentioned again and again, is about being organized. So could you
1: tell us a little more about what you really mean by being organized? Yeah, so talking about work, now let's say if I have five files on my system, I'll find out a way how do I group it together and put it in a folder. So organization for me starts from there. If I have things scattered on my table, I will put it in a maybe a glass and make sure it's all put neatly in one side of the table. So, so like I said, it starts with very small things because I think when, uh, things are scattered around, this is very personal feeling that I have. I feel like I'm very distracted. I'm not able to focus if I'm not organized. Even if you look at the way we do our project planning, this is a feedback that I get from my managers that and Nova maintains sheets the way your team does it, they're all very neatly done all updated colorful and my sheets are always colorful because I don't like black and white things to be honest right and colorful things not only make it interesting it, the way we do the colors it it makes sense you know green are all done red is not happening yellow is work in progress it's so easy to understand scan through the sheet and of course like I said it also adds some color and some interest in the thing and this is the thing you ask our Jira boards are the best some people actually give our example that go and see how tech writers maintain their Jira boards because that's the way I want it. I continuously keep on telling my team, they know Sripana will be super angry if this if she sees a sheet which is like not maintained at all. I will be like, if I see a sheet like that, like, khai, kira, just take it off, delete it, why do you need it? If you're keeping a tracker and not really updating it, what's the point keeping a tracker? So yeah, that's what the organization precisely means to me. Make sure things are all done up to date. It will make everyone's life easier. In the last part
0: of this episode, we had discussed the skills required for technical writing briefly, very briefly, in fact. So if you want to go deeper into skills, let's categorize people into three broad categories, freshers, mid-career, and seniors. So for freshers, what would you recommend? How can they know more about the subject and learn something so that they can come and join as a technical writer, or as a fresher?
1: So as a fresher, definitely communication skills. And you should be able to understand, make way through things which are completely unknown to you. Now, what I mean by that, self-learning is extremely important. You should be ready to experiment, look at things, learn things by yourself. Then things like you should be very well-organized and should be able to do multitasking. And I think the last thing that I would want to add here is you should be okay with ambiguity because I think that is something which we as tech writers should start accepting from day one that, look, we have to handle ambiguity. We will get requirements. We will get things at the last minute and we should know how to handle it and give out deliverable. So these are the skills I think as a fresher one should have. Now talking about as a let's say a senior tech writer if that person wants to move to the next role right. So you should start looking at things like how can you manage projects because that's the time when your manager will start giving out small pieces of work where you have to handle the entire project you have to start handle uh, handling a couple of people so a bit of team management a bit of people management and project management I remember in one of the companies uh, we had to keep an eye on how much revenue we were generating because it was primarily a service based company and uh, everything is project based there and then you have certain billing models that you follow and you try to see how much money your project is making and in that organization i used to create billing reports that there are 10 members on my team and seven projects are going in on track and we have made this much amount of money and three projects are slightly off track and things like that so basically doing a tracking making sure the on-time delivery plus the revenue generated i think these are the additional skills which you should start acquiring if you want to move to the next level as a mid level as of as someone who is more experienced and if someone wants to transition from mid-level
0: to a senior level what would be your recommendation
1: mid-level to senior level of course all of these whatever we spoke about all of that plus you should you need to be good at making strategies because at that level you will not be just handling projects you will be handling maybe a geography you may be handling product line you need to understand how to make these strategies. So when I make strategies, I have a very simple, I have two, three principles. One is your strategy should be very simple, as simple as possible so that it is easy for you to communicate and easy to follow second is make sure it's sustainable. If we make a process which we know will not survive after a certain point in time, no point making that strategy. And third is, will you be able to scale it up? Now, let's say uh, when we started going international with Pay, the strategy that we made, we make sure that today we are going to Malaysia, tomorrow if we have to go to other countries, we don't have to sit and write one more strategy document. The same thing will function, will work. So, these are the three things you have to make sure, keep it in mind when you start making the strategy. And of course, Another thing is that don't write a strategy document and expect it to work for five years. Things are changing. You have to make sure you keep revisiting things and you make sure that you are making tweaks as needed as per the requirements, as per the changing time. So you need to be good at making strategies. You have to handle things like people's emotions, like I said, people management. Because once you become a leader, it's not just two, three people. Now 10 people will be reporting to you. You have to also make sure how do you grow the managers in your team? Because once you become a leader, there will be leads who will be reporting to you, managers perhaps reporting to you, right? How do you make sure you're managing their career also, not just your career, now you have to manage their career also. So all of these things also come into play when you move higher up uh, to the next. So
0: yeah, interesting part is not just worry about your own career. But also think about how you can help others grow along with you. Have there been instances when people want certain roadmaps? So Shripona, around the appraisal time, you may have observed many people are unhappy because they are not happy about the feedback. They are not happy about the raise. So have there been instances when people come and kind of express their unhappiness about appraisals, feedback or the road?
1: So I have been like leading teams for almost like 10 years now I don't know if I have got to work with really good people but that has never happened because like I said that we have these communications every month every day today I'm working as an associate director but I make sure that I know what each of my team member is doing what each of my team member is contributing I have that connection I have 12 people reporting to me I make sure I'm talking to them each one of them at least once in a month to understand what is going on in their life. And like I said, our one-on-ones are, we, we block 30 minutes. 20 minutes is on our personal lives. What's happening? How is your family doing? Things like that. We talk about all of that. What is the next movie coming up? Have you watched that? So we discuss all of that because that helps me in building that comfort level and helps that person to come out of his or her, her shell and start talking about things which are not very happy. And that is when which gives me an opportunity to explain in what situation we are and set the right expectation. Like I said that if it is talking about, let's say, promotion or the hikes, right? Uh, even the hikes, uh, I give out a very direct signal to everyone to as a team also. And if with individuals also that look, this time the hikes won't be good, but then we will make sure how you can grow in the team gain more experience get better work and also things like you know the organization culture right i think we are in times where people really give importance to things like organization culture i mean can you recollect when we were like 15 years 20 years or anybody spoke about organization culture we all that we wanted in life having a, a decent paying job Nobody even thought about, well, the bosses are supposed to be rude. That was taken. Bosses cannot be good is what was taken, right? But today we talk about having good bosses, good HRs, and there are these whole lot of programs going around that, which is great. So I think now people really value all of that. And like I said, that I always create a very happy culture around me so that even in the bad times. We make sure that we are able to sail through. And then there are ways. You can't give a promotion, but you can at least say you have done a great job in the team, right? I think all that we all want is a bit of acknowledgement, a bit of appreciation that, hey, you have done a great job. We are all very thankful and grateful for all your contributions. I think that goes a long way. Even if that, you know, the hike is not that good, that acknowledgement really matters a lot. I mean, I have been able to handle it. I'm sure there are more difficult scenarios. Thankfully, I never had to handle that. But like I said, that I keep my communications very transparent. So people know what to expect. So whenever we have a bad hike, people know I expected this. I was even expecting lower. And people said that. I'm not joking. People said that. That this is okay. You don't have to feel so bad about it.
0: Have there been instances when people want certain roadmap? they are looking for certain kind of role, they want to grow faster, and maybe because of the company policies, you are not able to support them. So you can't agree or support everything that people ask for. So... How do you handle that kind of communication?
1: Be prepared. You know, (laughs) you will be asked these questions. Do your homework well. So the way I give feedback to my team members is, okay, my one-on-ones are very different. They're not like, I don't go and tell that you haven't done this. I say that. I expect you to do this. If you want to grow, this is what you have to do. If I were you, so I think there are ways of putting things, right? And like I said, be prepared. You know somebody is doing really well. And let's say for whatever reasons, you're not able to promote that person. Except that I know you are a very deserving candidate and you're doing every bit possible. But currently the situation is like that. I'm perhaps not able to give you a promotion. Tell me what else can I do for you? Maybe I will give you better work. I will try to give you more responsibilities. At least you will get the experience of doing things, right? And whenever I get the first opportunity to promote you, I will make sure I do that. And I don't give false promises. I am a very transparent manager. I tell things what it is. So even with hikes, I'm like, see, this is his hike it is. Even I'm not very happy with it. But then there are things where, which are not in my control. So I think this is where building the relationship really helps a lot because we have gone through times when organizations have given very, very good hikes. And there have been times where we we have not been able to give good hikes for whatever reasons. The the industry is going through a bad phase or the COVID and all of that things, right? So these are things which are not in our control. So one is make sure you keep communicating to your team that, see, days are not very great. So expect some kind of things which are not in your favor, but this is the way it is. So communication and being transparent, I think these are the two things which really helps to make sure you send out those communications to the team at the right time. So they are also well prepared. And we have to also understand this is what people don't understand, you know, when it comes to salaries, no, people just start comparing. Mm -hmm. People don't say what you have contributed. Now if somebody does that, I'm again being very direct. See, this is what this person has contributed. And hence obviously, this is how the company is rewarding that person. Then why would a person work more, give more if that person is not getting benefited in any way? If you say, I'm also a tech writer, I have also five years of experience, I'm getting X, the other person has got Y, Y, then I have a very clearly laid out answer that, see, this is how this person has contributed, this is how you have contributed. And we have to be fair to both of you, this is what it is. So this is what happens. People start just comparing people, how much that they are contributing. They don't see then there are many factors, what education you're having, right? Somebody who is joining as a, a bachelor's versus somebody who, who has done a master's. Obviously there will be a difference in the pay packages. I mean, you like it or not. This is how it is. We have to value education. We have to value experience, right? Somebody coming from Google, you can't pay the same person versus somebody coming from some other company. So we need to be rational also when we ask for things. I never discuss salaries, okay, with my peers. No matter however good that person is, my friend, I will never discuss salaries, and we never discuss our hike because I don't want to make that person upset. I don't want to, to get myself upset because I, if I hear that person has got a better hike than me, I will be definitely very upset, and and vice versa. So why to get into that zone? Yeah, that's very important. We need to be rational. So
0: now let's come back to skills. We spoke about skills in general. Now, in terms of tools or proficiency in using those tools, what do you think one needs to know to be a technical writer?
1: When it comes to tools, I will say that anybody who knows Microsoft Word or can work on Google Docs should be able to start writing. That person should be able to construct good sentences, right? Should have a natural flow of thoughts. Tools, I'm not very particular about tools. Even in the interviews, we never ask that. You know, maybe we very casually ask them, okay, what are the tools just to understand how we ask that question to understand how will be the learning curve? Because especially at Razorpay, our tools are slightly technical. So just to understand how much will be the learning curve. That's it. Otherwise, I don't know why people even say that you need to know RoboHair, you need to know FrameMaker. I mean, I never knew all of this here. The only thing I knew was Microsoft Word. And I have been able to work on all of these tools. And today I'm even writing in VS Code. My team is writing in VS Code, people with a commerce background. And VS Code is nothing but all codes, all markdown language. So one skill is, should be able to work on Word. And second is, should not get scared of learning a new tool. Should be open to that. Should not say, Ki Baba, I have worked in Adobe FrameMaker. I will not learn any other tool. I will not be comfortable using that. If you have an open mind, uh, you should be able to adopt to any of these tools. Now, to answer your question, I know there are people listening to us and they may want to hear a few tools. So, uh, the tools that currently most of the organizations use are Adobe FrameMaker, RoboHelp, Camtasia for creating videos. Then there are some database tools, Wikipedia, Wiki-based tools like Confluence, then VS Code I just mentioned, then Document 360 is also becoming very popular these days many people have started using that so these are the tools which are primarily used by most of the organizations and there are some organizations who have their in-house tools like us we use a customized version of vs code for writing code so it again depends upon the organization what kind of tools they have built to write their information and if you're writing for website you might have to pull Or WordPress, which are very simple, very web-based tools, very easy, quite intuitive tools. Anybody can pick it up. Okay, so
0: what I'm getting from you is as long as you're open to learning, you should be able to pick up any tool and you should focus on writing, writing well.
1: Yes, and language is something which we can never compromise. See, I can't teach somebody at 22, 23, considering that they're just coming out of their college also. I can't teach that person uh, sentence construction, present tense, past tense. So that's not the time I can teach them that, right? if they can write well and they should have the natural flair do they really like to write you have to probe them to understand if they really like to write or this is just one of those stopgap jobs that they are going to join in you will get those answers and with the answers you can understand if they are going to be in this field for some time or you definitely would won't want somebody to join in for 3 months train them for 2 months and then they leave saying that oh I got a better job career and then I'm moving out yeah that's common
0: and happens with pressures they are in exploration mode so
1: Yeah. So do you get freshers directly for uh, technical writing? Oh, yes. So we do some uh, campus hiring. We did last year and the year before also. Last two years, we did some campus hiring. So we usually go to people uh, with BSc, BCom, BCA, computer science, these grads. And of course, we try to pick up graduates from the best colleges in time.
0: Okay. So let's say somebody wants to be a tech writer and they want to come prepared for a test. Or in interview. So what kind of writing should they be
1: looking at? Is it like they should try writing a user manual? So again, it depends from organization to organization, how they frame their questions. The way we frame our questions are to understand if the person is able to write well. So we usually ask them to write procedures, which I feel are the simplest way or simplest form of tech writing. If you can write procedures and we know you have a good sense of structure and flow, we know you will be able to start Mm-hmm. So that's the basic thing I would ask somebody who's joining or who wants to join as a tech writer, that they should know how to write a good procedure document. When I say procedure document, basically the how-to. Or it can be as some something like a one-pager on a concept. Let's say somebody wants to write about ChatGPT. So how they will come up with the concept of it, right? How they will come up with the introduction. And those are the trickier parts. And if somebody gets that right, you get it. That yes, th- that person has a natural flair for writing. Since you brought up ChatGPT, In the last part
0: of this episode too, you had mentioned about ChatGPT and you had said that one shouldn't be afraid of ChatGPT and they should explore and learn how to use it. We know ChatGPT is a huge thing for all writers because it can do a lot of writing for you. So there are going to be more changes in future and we don't know what kind of technologies will come in. So how can one keep themselves informed about the current trends in the industry?
1: Sign up for LinkedIn. LinkedIn is not paying me to say this. (laughs) Make sure you are in LinkedIn. You are part of some tech writing communities. There are many good tech writing communities. Be part of that. Understand what's happening in the industry. Keep your eyes and ears open and things will happen. Technologies have come and go. But then we have still survived. Humans have survived. We will will figure out a way to survive. Just make sure you are aware of what is going around, right? And start adopting things if it makes sense. If you think that these are things which I can start learning and I can start using it. For example, ChatGPT, we have started using ChatGPT for a few things. So let's say we write some blogs, right? So we ask ChatGPT, okay, find out some. Uh, 50 blogs that tech writers can write. It gives us a good list. Okay, we are not happy we ask that prompt, give out that prompt, we refine our prompt and get another set. So it definitely helps in doing certain things, but I can say it can never replace a tech writer. I think with the introduction of AI in all of these fields, the requirement for a tech writer has become much more because what ChatGPT does, it looks at information that's available in the internet. Right? Now somebody has to put that information in the internet. Who are they? We. If we don't put in that information, from where will the chat GPT source the information? And if it is not able to source the information, it just bluffs you. I mean, it gives you some random answers. So I was doing some comparison with one of the competitors. So I asked to do a co- comparison <laughs> between these two, okay? And it gave out certain links also, which do not exist. Yeah, <laughs> very, very, very confidently. What is this? So that's what I mean. With AI, the importance of tech writers have even increased. We are indispensable. I can definitely say because somebody has to sit and write that information and feed that information for ChatGPT to extract that information, right? So, okay, we have more or less kind of covered the main
0: points that we wanted to discuss. Can I ask you when you're hiring somebody, what is
1: most important to you? When you are, let's say, looking for a refresher? Skills need to be in place. Like I said, communication skills, both writing as well as spoken. Because they have to talk to so many people, right? They just cannot go wrong there. So these are the basic skills and they have to have uh, these skills. That's one thing I really make sure is the attitude, right? Again, I think these are things which are inborn. And of course, as we grow up based on our environment, we acquire things in us basically the behavior right the attitude that we carry so i want to make sure that people who are coming and they really respect the job that they are getting into i'm not even saying they're loving it at least they're respecting what they're getting into they're liking what they're getting into and they have the natural flair for doing that. It should not be a top cap thing in between that they're just hopping into just to get some experience and then come out of it. No, we haven't opened a training center here. It's people who are serious, again, you get to know this when you start asking them questions. You probe them, understand their background, why they are getting into this job. For example, I was hiring from commerce background, right? There was one particular candidate who was very good, who had very great scores in all her subjects. And she was coming for this decorating job. And then I was pretty sure that this is one of her top-gap jobs for her. But see, again, there are you work as a team, right? You cannot always impose your decision. There are times when I was very sure. But about this individual, I wasn't. There are some people who can also answer in such smart way that you will start thinking twice that, am I taking the right decision? So for this particular individual, I knew that I was getting the sense that she will not be here for long. And, but then my team was like, oh, she is very good. She has answered all her questions and she has written very well. And of course there's a scoring mechanism also, like how do we reject this candidate? I was like, okay, okay, if you guys are convinced, let's go ahead and we hired her. But after four months, she quit the job citing higher education. So that's what uh, you get that sense when you start looking at their background, because obviously I'm somebody who has done so well in their exams, who, who have that flair for commerce. That person wants to be perhaps become a CA. We don't know what she wants to. But I mean, the, if you look at her career, that's a great marks in DCOM, M.Com. Obviously, the next obvious step would be to get into CA, right? If you're so good at that. But then why you are choosing tech writing? Of course, these are very obvious questions. I think just the common sense comes into play. And you have to just go by that. Of course, like I said, that not every time you make the right decision. But again, you learn. Now I'm very sure next time this happens, I am going to impose my decision that no I'm sure this person will not be here for a very long time people will be like she joined with us right what happened why did she leave Hmm. not everybody knows the background not everybody knows the stories right they're like why is she leaving is anything uh, wrong going on are they uh, cutting down people people start asking all kind of questions and it creates so much of chaos and then you have to settle down the team once again so especially people who leave in three months or five months, it's very difficult. And I always try to make sure that we know people who are coming here, they are serious about their job. They know they want to do this and they want to be part of this organization. It's not again, this is one of the offer I will try for another two, three companies and whichever offers me best. And then there are people who have done well in the interviews, they have got the offer and after Just before joining this, they come and say that, okay, I want you to evaluate my offer letter because I've got X amount from this organization. I just go straight away and tell the HL just drop that candidate. We don't want this individual. Because for whom I waited, the entire team waited for two months. Usually the notice period is one month, two month, three month. We waited for that person for two months and just 15 days before the joining, that person is coming and saying this. This is That person is totally irresponsible. I'll be like, let's start hiring from fresh. Because the integrity is something which I cannot, you have to accept. What were you doing? Why didn't you tell us before that? Probably I'll not go with you. See, as candidates, we also have certain response. I, I don't know. I have always felt this way even other where times even where i have tried in multiple companies but you have to stick to certain things right you always cannot get the best of everything Way, that's why yeah. I. whenever such things come in, usually the HR would want to because they had just closed a position, right? They would be like, why don't we offer another X flax or whatever, some ESOPs maybe or something or other too. I'm like, let's not do that because we know what this person wants and perhaps this person is still looking even after joining. And then after uh, two weeks, after getting the laptop, we start doing the training. Then he comes and says, look, I have got a better offer. And see, these are things you cannot stop an individual, right? If somebody wants to move up. you cannot stop that person right i always say that no need to pursue the person like we have to start again i'm like yeah we'll start again that's all right so yeah it is a pain for the entire team
0: when somebody comes and in a few months or a few days they decide to leave but you know Shripana, i'm just playing a devil's advocate here just thinking from the person's perspective so let's say this person has some other wants some needs And we don't know the story behind it, right? So probably they want more money or there could be other reasons which we are not aware of, right? Something at home, proximity to their house, it can be anything. So if they are getting something better elsewhere from their perspective and they decide to go there, I feel probably it's better. If they leave before they join, instead of you having spent time with them, invest your energies and then this person leaves, it will be a wasted effort. Also, there are instances when there is some misalignment with their expectations or their understanding of the culture or understanding of the job role and they come in and they just don't fit in the or fit in the job role, fit in the organization. So they decide to leave. I understand for HR, it's a pain going through the entire process. So this was about freshers. What is most important to you when you are hiring a mid-career profession?
1: So again, the skills remain the same, but we will also see things like if that person has managed any kind of projects, the kind of experience that person carries. And for example, there will be the resume to tell you what that person has done. And then based on the resume, we frame. It questions right let's say if i come across a resume who has eight years ten years of experience and have absolutely no project management experience right then i have a question for them that why you never thought of moving higher up in the ladder i mean how can a person just keep on writing 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 i mean of course we have to write as writers and now just because you have 10 years of experience you want to become a lead see your experience and by experience it's not just the years right? I think this is where people get it wrong. People say, I have 10 years of experience, I should become a lead. But have you done anything as a lead? What kind of skill sets you have acquired? Why do we pay an experienced person more versus a fresher? Not just because that person has spent X years in an organization, because we acquire skills when we do things, right? And if apart from writing, that person has not acquired any new skill, then how can I give that person a leads role, right? So if somebody is coming with 10 years of experience, 12 years of experience, a resume should reflect that he or she has worked on different types of projects, done a variety of things, then yes, that person is definitely a good candidate.
0: Get it. Yeah. Similarly, for senior professionals, what do you think a hiring manager looks for when they are planning to hire somebody
1: as senior as you are for the next level? So with tech writing, it all depends upon, again, the organization, right? What they are looking for and uh, what kind of opportunities they have. Now, in certain organizations, perhaps associate director is the end of. This is the best that they can offer, right? In other organizations, they may have geographies and perhaps need a vice president. Right? So in such cases, they will definitely want somebody who has people management or who have managed people for, let's say, of around, let's say, 30 plus, that kind of a experience because handling 10 persons versus 30 persons is definitely a different thing, right? Now, if I have to grow, I have to really talk to my boss what he wants. But then I think after a certain level, you don't work for just your project or making sure things are getting done. You work for your function. You work for the entire organization. So you need to have that vision. And how will you achieve that? What is your plan? What do you want to do? What are the teams you think you should work with to make sure that happens? How do I really create value with my function for the organization? I
0: think how to create value is something one should start thinking very early on, right? In whatever capacity they are working, it will help them grow in their own career. It will help them grow their thinking process. So it will benefit not just the organization, but the person himself or herself. It's really helpful. Very true. I think that should be there from day one, creating value. So Shripana, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. It's been lovely talking to you. As a
1: parting note, would you like to give any last piece of advice to your audience? Yes. One is that at times as tech writers, I've seen many people do that. We don't value the job that we do. And we keep complaining that we are not getting acknowledgement. I think that's always there in discussions some or other time, right? So I would rather say that do you value your job? Do you think you're creating value? How are you creating value for your organization? Just writing documents and creating tons of uh, sentences, uh, well-written language is not going to help any organization. How are you creating value? And if you're confident that you are creating value, start respecting yourself first before you start asking for respect from people and everything else will start falling in place and the other thing that I would always say that make sure there are times we have to in certain times and we have to accept the way things are but whenever you see a greener pasture and you know that something is going to work well for you make sure you make that move just don't crib for things I've seen so many people keep on doing cribbing for things but then then they will continue to be there There are so many places, go find your way and I mean, see a triangle and a square can never fit into each other, right? Just don't try to fit yourself in a place where you don't belong to. Yeah. I must say thank you for you know inviting me for this and I really love both the sessions and I'm hoping that my fellow writers and senior writers and many, many senior folks in the industry, they will agree to me to a certain extent and I will be open to hear feedback about what better we can do for the tech writing community. Thank you and wish you all the best for your career growth journey. As we wrap up today's episode, I
0: sincerely hope that you have found this conversation informative, insightful and valuable. Your thoughts and comments are invaluable to us. If you have questions or seek more insights into technical writing, please don't hesitate to drop us a message. We will make an effort to address those queries in a future episode featuring another seasoned professional from the technical writing field. Your engagement fuels our growth and content direction. Thank you for being an essential part of our community. If you have enjoyed our episode today, Don't forget to hit the like button and do share it with friends, colleagues or anyone you believe could benefit from our conversation. Moreover, consider subscribing to our channel to receive notifications of upcoming episodes as soon as they are released. Thank you once again for tuning in. Wish you a wonderful day ahead.